This is Iris at Radio TCR, Thanet Community Radio, or Thanet Christian Radio. And we're very pleased again to be back on the air and we're out and about again in Ireland with our very special minister, Hugh. Uh, Hugh, what have you got for us today, I'm wondering? Are you there? Yes, Ireland. Uh, a, a big hello from the island of Ireland, way over here in the REC. <laughs> Yeah, is, it a, is it a bit wet today? Actually, at the moment, it's not raining, oh, but we can feel the temperature dropping. Yeah. And um, obviously, we're heading closer into the winter. So we'll be putting on the winter woolies here and uh, thinking about all our friends around the world in different temperatures. Some are feeling so hot and some are feeling so good and some are feeling so cold. That's amazing. But yeah. here we are just with one another and God's word and God's presence. And it's good to see you, Aris, here at the radio station. Uh, it's good to be here. You know, we thoroughly enjoy putting the word of God out there to everybody, don't we? It's really important. And I think today we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Is that right? That's correct. That's a really lovely chapter. And it just speaks to, to everybody's heart, at least it should do. There isn't one it's going to miss. So you go ahead, Hugh, and share what's on your heart. Thank you, Aris. And we just trust and pray that the Lord would give the freedom and the utterance to speak the unction. And that this may be a blessing into people's hearts and people's lives. Today, it's something which... It seems that I believe that the Lord has brought onto my heart. We have and were studying the Acts of the Apostles. We, we took a little deviation to look at aspects of the second coming of the base of Daniel, um, one of those situations of the 70 weeks. Now we've gone through that and I'm sure we can visit that again to try and reinforce and clarify what the scriptures and the word of God and the Holy Spirit says. But today, I just felt the Lord prompting me and laying upon my heart to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Whatever God has in his mind and in his heart concerning the church of the Lord Jesus, not just the church as it is consisting in my little life and Aris's life or the few people that listen to us or the many people that will listen to us wherever this spreads around we just pray that God's purpose and God's will would be accomplished so let's let's start reading the scriptures now I'm reading from first Corinthians chapter 12 and we give God all the praise and all the glory it seems that Paul the apostle the man that Jesus had called uh, from his darkness and ignorance into the light of fellowship with himself had been sent uh, primarily uh, to the Gentiles. He was a Jew, born a Jew, brought up a Jew, very zealous uh, in the Jewish religion. But God, the Lord had uh, spoken to his heart and stopped him in his tracks and converted his life and told him that he wanted to send him primarily to the Gentiles, because God 
it seems, had finished uh, with that Old Testament uh, covenant and was introducing a new covenant that would cover not only uh, the Jewish nation, but all the nations of the earth. And that covenant would be established in his son, the Lord Jesus. That's the new covenant that Jesus was giving Paul the right to minister his word. Now, as he's been ministering to the church in Corinth, so he's speaking these words in chapter 12. And the first words that speaks in verse 1, he's saying, Now concerning, and there is the nigh of God in this. This is very important that we understand that this is not something that is in the past, but this is something very much in the present. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I know that we can also say sisters, brothers and sisters, those believers in the Lord Jesus. Now concerning spiritual gifts, these are not natural gifts that you can go and buy in the shop or buy in the mall or buy in the marketplace. These gifts are spiritual gifts. And these gifts, as we'll find as we read on, are gifts that God has decided. God has made these gifts and God wants to share these gifts with his people. So he says now concerning, and that's what's important that the energy and the power of these gifts should find themselves right in the midst and in the persons of the people of God, those that have come to faith and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. God wants his people to be spiritual and not carnal, not of the world. Paul had a time speaking to Christians, even in Corinth, who he felt were still carnal. But God is calling us and calling all his people into a level of spirituality. So he says now concerning spiritual gifts, that's those gifts that come from God. He says in verse two, their history was, you know that you were Gentiles carried away onto these dumb idols, even as you were led. You see, the world is made up of two sections of people and from God's point of view, one is the Gentiles and the other was the nation of Israel. We haven't time to get into it, but the nation of Israel was chosen by God to hear his word and to take his word to the nations. That's the Gentiles. But they failed miserably and they turned away from God. That's another story. But today he says, now he's speaking to the Gentiles. That's to all those that are not Jews. But yet, as a Jewish believer, a Jewish believer can be identified with the scriptures, no matter what, to the Gentiles or to the Jews specifically. But you know that you were Gentiles. The Gentiles didn't have any foundation. They didn't have any anchor in their life because they were carried away. They were carried away with the spirit of Satan with the spirit of paganism, with the spirit of heathenism. They were carried away onto dumb idols, idols which men created with their hands, which couldn't speak, they couldn't see, they couldn't hear, and they certainly could never answer their needs. 
but that's how foolish it was. These people were carried away onto these dumb idols. But let everybody know today that we serve the only true and living God, the God Almighty, the God and the maker of heaven and earth. And especially today, as we know and understand his son, the Lord Jesus. He says that you were carried away by these dumb idols, even as you were led. So that's the characteristics of the Gentiles. They were blown about from place to place, wind by wind, not knowing where they were going or what they were doing. They were in a, in a blindness, as it were, to the truth. But he says, wherefore I give you to understand. Now the apostle is making it very clear when it comes to these spiritual gifts of God, that there must be an understanding that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. So in other words, what he's saying is this, in the person of the Lord Jesus, the Spirit of God will always exalt and lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If anybody seeks to be little or make little of the person of Jesus or in any sense contradict what the scriptures are saying, he can say that you can be sure that that's not of the spirit of the living God. You see, the spirit of God has been sent into this world and his mission and commission is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's spirit in the world today. And he will continue on with that mission and commission until Jesus returns. And that's his primary commission today, to glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why when we read through the Acts of the Apostles in those 28 chapters, they promoted, they promoted and they exalted the person and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was no other person was promoted or exalted in those 28 chapters because they had understood and come through the life of Jesus and the Holy Spirit had fallen and filled them to be able to go and tell humanity who Jesus is. That's what the message is all about. So that third verse of 1 Corinthians 12 is pregnant with the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, and that the Spirit of God testifies that he is Lord. And never ever would the Spirit of God in any sense bring a cursing or anything negative against the person of Jesus. So that's a word of warning first and foremostly to everybody that hears this scripture. Be careful how you treat the name of Jesus. Be careful how you affect the name of Jesus, because God has set that name above every other name, not only in this world. I say that God the Father is standing over in this world the name of Jesus. It may seem that people are getting away with the blaspheming and cursing in the name of Jesus, but God knows exactly every person. Everything is being recorded, and someday everybody will be called into judgment and given an account of the relationship with Jesus, whether it be good or whether it be evil. God will judge humanity 
by the relationship in Jesus. Having said that, let's move on. Now that's the basis, spiritual gifts by the Spirit of God. And verse four says, now there are diversities of gifts. So there are diversities of gifts. There's not just one gift. There's a diversity of gifts and we will enumerate those later on as we get, if we get time to look at it. There are diversities of gifts. Listen, but this is important. But the same spirit, there are not diversities of the Holy Spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit comprising the third person, if there is such a thing as a third person, but one of the three persons of the Godhead. There's the Father, there's the Son, and there's the Holy Spirit. So there is only one Spirit, and there are diversities of gifts. So the Holy Spirit has got a responsibility in the diversity of these gifts. Mm. So that's clear. There is a diversity of gifts, a difference in these gifts. And we'll see that what that is in a minute. Now, the next verse five says something else. And there are differences of administrations. So there are differences, diversities and differences of administrations. How are these gifts operating? How are they working? How, how do they get motivated? What, what happens? Who, who handles this situation? Well, it says very clearly, but the same Lord. I make this very clear here, and this is what God's speaking. He's saying it's the one spirit, the spirit of God brings the gifts, the diversity of gifts, but it's also the same Lord. That's the Lord God. That's the Lord Jesus specifically. He is the head over all things to the church. As I was thinking about this scripture, that's what came into my mind. Tell the folks, tell the people of God that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the head over all things to the church, which is his body. Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus is the Lord over the differences of administrations. Who's going to make decisions of the diversities of gifts? The Holy Spirit. Who's going to make the differences of the administrations? The Lord Jesus. Number six, verse six, and there are diversities of operations. What's the outcome of these gifts? They're diversities. You see, there's a diversity, difference and a diversity right through these gifts of the Lord. Isn't this a wonderful, wonderful treasure house of God, these spiritual gifts? I want to tell you, brother and sister that's listening to this word today, God has a treasury of gifts for his people. Hallelujah. He wants to enrich us. He wants to bless us. He wants to create life within us. He wants to bring an expression of the glory of God in the Lord Jesus. That's what God's about. And I believe that that's what God wants to explode under the face of this world in this last and final closing days of time. Once this old virus dies a death and die a death at will, and life will move on. We don't know what God is doing next, but we, we're trusting and praying for a mighty revival. But here it is in front of us. Let's prepare for a revival. 
and to those leadership in the churches, to those men of God in the churches, to those oversight in the churches. Listen to the word of God and make sure that you are fulfilling your responsibility to let God, the Holy Spirit, to let the Lord Jesus and to let God Almighty in the diversity's operation have the freedom. Does that sound strange that God should ask you for freedom? But that's the way it is. I remember during the days of Samuel, when the people said to Samuel, we don't want a king over, we don't want this anymore. Yeah. We want a king of our own. We want to focus on a man, somebody we know. Where is this God? We don't see him. And that's the thing about Christianity. This Holy Spirit, you can't see him. The Lord Jesus, you can't see him. Some people make claims that they've seen Jesus. That's their business. But I know that generally speaking, the Lord Jesus does not go around showing himself to human beings. He's mighty, he's majestic, and he's a magic, marvelous person, the Lord Jesus. He's unique. He controls the whole of the universe. He controls all the angels. He controls all of humanity. He controls all the devils. He controls all of hell. That's the Lord Jesus that we worship and we come to. And that's the same Lord who differences these administrations and his father. There are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. Now, those, four, those three verses, verse 4, verse 5, and 4, 6, that is the very center and core of the giving of these gifts to the body of Christ, to the church. And that's what's important today. And I want to say what's on my heart is this, that God wants this operation of the Spirit, of the Lordship of Jesus, of the Godhead of the Father, he wants us in operation in the body of Jesus. Jesus paid the price of his own blood to purchase his body on this earth. And I want to say something here, that the time has come or is coming now when God says, that's enough. It's enough just to shepherd people round together and put them in the seats to watch the show at the front. What's that mean? How are they going to grow? How are they going to develop? The Holy Spirit gives the gifts. The Lord Jesus administers the gifts and the Father. You see what has happened in Christianity? It's a sad commentary that from the Acts of the Apostles that finished chapter 28, that men started to deviate their focus from the primary purpose, which was Jesus. And they started to show it unto themselves. Men started to seek positions, power, control over the saints of God. That's a tragedy of the history after the 20 eight chapters of the Acts of the Apostles until God sent a mighty revelation of his word and his truth and enlightened the world to the truth of God's word 
and that shook the world. And then he sent a mighty, a mighty power of his outpouring of the spirit in the early 1900s. But you know something, that control and that hierarchical administration of the saints of God has not ceased. The people of God have been kept in captivity. I want you to understand what's in my heart. It's about freedom. It's about liberty. It's about the saints of God being able to gather together. Listen, what about leadership? What about it? After Paul goes through these spirits, spiritual gifts, he says in verse 28, that coming to the end of it, God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healings, helps governments, diversities of tongues. Yes, God has sent and gifted men. But I want to say something here today. It says they're apostles in the plurality. It says secondarily prophets in the plurality. Thirdly, teachers in the plurality. And I want to say that the time has come, I believe, when God's going to hold ministries responsible, men that have been called by God, anointed by the Holy Spirit, but yet they have taken a singular position to believe and to think that they have got the wisdom and the knowledge and the ability. That's what's best for the body of Christ. I want to say you don't have the wisdom or the knowledge or the ability for what's best for the body of the Lord Jesus. There's only one person or three persons, but one God has the ability and the wisdom and the knowledge. And we have just described it here within this chapter. That's the Holy Spirit. And that's the Lord Jesus who's the head. And that's God the Father who's in charge of the operations. It's time, the time has come for men to say, my responsibility is not to control, but to liberate and to create an environment along with other leaders, an opportunity for the gifts in the body of Christ to function in the spirit and to let the spirit of God move. I want to tell you that's real revival. That's real revival. That's real revival. There's no man, there's no man can control revival. That's of the spirit of God. And people might jump up and down and say, well, you know, it might be a wee bit disorderly here or disorderly. I am not talking about barking like dogs and roaring like lions and, and swinging on chandeliers. But when God can pour out a spirit and 120 people in an upper room in Jerusalem, God can do it here throughout this earth. It doesn't matter where they are. And if God uses the spirit to bless and enliven people, and get their focus and their eyes on Jesus. That's what it's all about. And they can be endued with these gifts. So what are these gifts? Paul says here in verse 7, let us go on with whatever bit of time we have left. But the manifestation of the Spirit 
is given to every man to profit withal. Now, how can anybody profit anybody? How can a brother or a sister profit anybody when all they're being doing is told to sit in the seat beside them and be in good behavior? Yeah. How's that going to develop anybody in the spiritual gifts? It's yeah. not happening. You see, the people of God need freedom. The people of God need liberty. The people of God need to get back to God again in the way that Jesus wants them to share together the body of Christ, to be the living stones, as Peter said, to be members one of another in the body of Christ, for the leadership to be among them, not, not status over their head, no, to be serving them. Jesus says he came to serve and he came to serve and he says the greatest, if you want to be the greatest in this world, you've got to be a servant of my body. So let that be a warning. Let that be a hitting to people. This is the word of God. Amen. 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 I'm not making this up, by the way. This is not some fairy tale book I'm reading. These are the holy scriptures. These are the scriptures that God has preserved for 2,000 years. Amen. And I've got it here in the good old English translation. And I can read it and I can understand it. And it's God's word. The manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit. What are these gifts for? What's the manifestation for? It's for profit. It's not for loss. So why does the devil, do you think the devil wants the church of Jesus to be liberated, to be free, to be unctionized, to give this profit to one another's brother? But no, he doesn't want that. Why? Because he can't operate in that environment. But if you just press people into chairs and tell them to be quiet and listen to the same man day after day after day after day, week after week after, how are they going to grow? How are they going to develop? How are they going to experience their freedom? How are they going to experience the gifts of the Spirit? How are they going to experience the life that's in Jesus? Not going to happen. That's why the body is sick today. I thought when I was thinking about this scripture, a little illustration, and this is just a, a feeble illustration. Just take, for example, people had were, were checked out and they had a special gifting inside them and ability to play tennis. Oh, they love tennis and they love the tennis bat and they just love to hit that ball in the tennis court. And, and then there was there was a special person among them who knew that there was an expert had gone before, was the greatest tennis player of all time. No one could ever meet a match him. But he's dead and gone, so to speak. But he takes the place of being the teacher. And he gathers these special people together into a room. He says, now sit there. I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you about the master tennis player. He left a manual here, and I'm going to go through this manual with you. And he starts to tell him, you know, this is the tennis bat. The racket, this is the racket. Excuse me, but I'm not a tennis player, so if I make a mistake in my description, don't hold it against me. So he takes a, takes a tennis racket, and he shows him the tennis racket. Then he takes the tennis ball, and he shows him the ball. And then he says, these are the strokes, up and downs underneath this stroke and that stroke and the other stroke. 
and these are the rules of the game. And he goes on in the session, the session ends, and he says, see you next week. They all come back in the sit-in and he starts to go over the same thing and he tells them all about the technical aspects of this manual. And, and when they're all finished, they all go home and next week they all come back again. I want to ask you a question. Will any of those people ever become a tennis professional? No, they didn't practice. They didn't practice. You have to practice. You have to be doing. You have to experience. And it's the same with the gifts of God, the spiritual gifts of God. Let's read what they are. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. That's the word of wisdom. That's a special spiritual word of wisdom. That's not somebody being clever. It's coming by the spiritual inspiration. This is not a one-off. It's when you create an environment that's spiritual, overall spiritual, that people are coming in. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Their eyes are upon Jesus. They just want to glorify God. But these gifts are going to operate so as that together they can be encouraged and see how great God is. That's the, that's the method and the means for it. To another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit. God can give a word of wisdom at a certain time. And God can give a word of knowledge by the same spirit. You see, it's the spirit that's doing this. Now listen, the word of God says, grieve not the spirit. And he also says, quench not the spirit. And I believe today that that's what's wrong with the church of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is being quenched. The Holy Spirit is being quenched. To another faith yeah. by the same. Can you imagine being in a congregation of say 100 or 200? Let's just say 120. The famous 120. Let's just say in a congregation mix male and female, young people, 120 people and, and, they're, and they're moving together with filled with the spirit of God. And Listen, God hasn't quenched the Holy Spirit. It's men that have quenched the Holy Spirit. But God wants his people to be liberated again. God wants his people to stand in freedom again. God wants his people to get their focus on Jesus again. Not just talk about Jesus like as if he's a convenient part of the story yeah. but get focused on jesus for to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit to another faith can you imagine what it would be like when these gifts were actually functioning maybe not all at the same time but as the people of god came together in their attitude in their vision they were thinking about caring for one another they were thinking about glorifying jesus they were thinking about giving God all the glory. It was all about that God is on the throne, that Jesus knows exactly what's going on. It's having an attitude that he's able to lead us. He's able to guide us. We don't need somebody who thinks they've got the wisdom and the knowledge to tell us what to do. That's what Jesus is for. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. Jesus said, I'm going, but I'm going to send the Spirit, another comforter, and he will guide you into all truth. How is he going to do that? Mm -hmm. He has to be able to do it. Oh, people, have to be, people have to be free to receive. 
the working of the Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing. There's healings can be breaking out amongst God's people. Are we denying ourselves the gifts of healing because we think we've all worked out and that's all worked together? But look at us, we're as dead as a stone. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy. These are not things which are uh, invented. These are true miracles on true words of prophecy. To another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. I think what you were saying there, Hugh, of the of that um, of the church not teaching it properly, it actually says, doesn't it, that later on in Corinthians in chapter fourteen, um, that it, tongues are a sign for those that don't believe, but prophecy. Was have I got that right? That tongues. Believe to them that believe not. So that's yes. those that don't, don't believe. But prophecy serves not those who believe. But, or sorry, prophecy doesn't serve those who don't believe. It only serves for them who do believe. Yes. Even, even in the delivering of all of that, there is, there is God's got his strict order, hasn't he? He, he has, and... You know, what I'm going over here is an introduction. And you quite rightly pointed out there is more. And between chapter 12 and chapter 14, there's chapter 13 speaking of love. So we've got to get the balance right yeah. between spirits working, the spiritual gifts working, and the and the the importance of love. That is the oil of the Holy Spirit, which makes everything work together properly. I mean, we're all fallen uh, creatures and we all need the love of God in our hearts towards God and towards one another. We all need tolerance and forbearance. And coming into chapter 14, Paul does start to, uh, start to focus in and give us some instructions and some insight as regards speaking in tongues. And I've come to the conclusion just recently, actually, that, that that baptism that Jesus said, you'd be baptized with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, that when the Holy Spirit came and, and baptized 120 people, it says, and they spoke with other tongues. Those were not earthly tongues. That was a supernatural spirit utterance from their inner being. And that's these tongues here that's mentioned. This... Uh, spiritual utterance which is not understood in a natural language because there's nobody in the world no matter what tongue they're speaking can understand that and that's what he's taking in, in chapter 14 he's showing the difference between speaking in an unknown tongue and speaking in a, 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 an earthly language that is understood and God has incorporated a gift of interpretation. And that's why Paul says, he speaks in tongues more than you all, but yet in the church, I'd rather speak in language which I cannot, which people can understand. It's important for people to be built up and edified by understanding what they're hearing. 
but in the manifestation of tongues. There's no problem, he says, in the church if someone wants to speak in tongues, but either they must have an interpretation or the person with a gift of interpretation must make it known what that tongue is about because people need to understand God hasn't come for tongues to keep people in the dark. He wants God's people to be enlightened. He wants them to know what's going on. So basically, and I'm, I'm almost inclined to believe that when you get the baptism in the spirit, you get this gift of tongues spontaneously. It seems that I would say that it, would, it seems by the reading of the scriptures that the gift of tongues, this gift of tongues is given spontaneously, automatically to everybody that's baptized in the Holy Spirit. So they are blessed when they're speaking in these tongues, this in their own personal time and their own private place and their own inspiration with God in the private place. He mentions that in chapter 14. So God gives us a supernatural ability for our spirits to speak a language which we don't even understand. But unless God, I have spoken in tongues in my past life and I knew what I was praying for. I knew I was praying for certain individuals. I knew it. And then after a while, my understanding ceased and the spirit was praying for things which I was not allowed to know or understand what is going on. So that's the situation about tongues. It is one of the gifts here mentioned, but there's also with it a gift of interpretation of tongues, not a gift of translation of tongues, but a gift of interpretation. So I know that there's been a lot of talk and there's been a lot of abuse, but it's up to it's up to men to be able to teach people how to use this gift wisely in the church, not to cause confusion, but at the same time to be very careful not to quench all the gifts because somebody is abusing the gift of tongues. They can be spoken to and taught and say, listen, you've got your baptism, you're speaking an unknown tongue, but it's not helping anybody else unless they know what's coming out your mouth. So unless you can bring an interpretation to that tongue, just keep silent, speak to yourself, speak unto God, and speak in your private place. Mm -hmm. And if anybody in the congregation wants to give a message in tongues, then there must be someone there that's able to have the gift of interpretation. And that only comes by time and relationship and development. Yeah. That's where leadership need to be tolerant. They need to understand. They need to be able to nurture people and guide this thing. Guide, I say, not demand or lay down laws, but to guide people in the right way because the priority is the body of Christ. It's the members of the body of Christ we're dealing with here. Yeah. The body that Jesus purchased with his own blood. And we'll be shutting off now. But there's nine gifts of the spirit. But it says here, but all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally or woman, severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members that one of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. 
We've got to understand and know that this whole thing about the body of Christ is the body of Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile. See, God brings them both together, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Now, is it not true that when you come together in God's presence with God's people, there are moments and occasions you sense God's presence? Oh, you just want to express something special, yeah. <laughs> even if it's singing. And in the language of the people around you, in our case, it would be English or if it's Nigerian or some other African dialect in the countries that there is in Africa or, or Europe. But when the Spirit of God moves, there's, there's something happens. Well, it's no sooner started and it's closed down again. So in practical terms, in my opinion, it's just my opinion. That's just it. Yeah, people just the, 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 uh, doing the program in the church. Just don't allow the spirit of God to take over. No, there should be in a, in a week. And Sunday's as good as day as any because it's traditionally been the first day recognized as the first day of Jesus' resurrection. Have you ever noticed when it comes to a Sunday morning with the people of God together, who should be the focus? Jesus. What type of service should it be? You see, here's the thing. We should get that table out. We should get the emblems. And we should do that specially as brothers and sisters collectively and saying our focus this morning, it's not about the club. It's not about the pub. It's not about anything else that's going on in, in the church or activities. This morning, this action is dedicated to the Lord Jesus because he says, take the bread, take the cup and do it in remembrance of me. Amen. So our songs, our worship songs, will be all about Jesus, not about us. Oh, God, you've blessed me. You've helped me. No, no. It's all about Jesus, who he is, what he has done for us, what he has done at Calvary. Those songs that will focus on Jesus. I want to say this morning, that today, that if we could gather together like that with that attitude and give Jesus the primary place, with the body of Christ gathered, I believe that God would bless. Yeah. He would bless us out of our socks, as they say in South Africa. Yeah. He would bless us out of our socks. Amen. So, so, and then other fellowship meetings during the week, with what we have described here today, fellowship meetings, courage in the saints, and then other teaching meetings, like Paul had to preach, and Barnabas had to preach, and yeah. Apollos had to preach and teach. We, we get all those all those things together and it contributes to the whole well-being and health of the body of Christ. But you know, the one thing that's, that comes out, and I've never seen it before, but listening to you today, in that, um, in, in the communion that is in that, 
in, 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 one, in, in the 1 Corinthians uh, in 11, isn't it? Chapter 11. But yeah. Jesus is, is, he's actually having a meal. And I've never seen it. It's highlighted in my Bible, you know, the whole passage. I only saw it today. We're, we're, he is eating and drinking. Yes. And he takes the cup and he sups it yes. before saying anything. <laughs> and he says, do this in remembrance of me. So we, it isn't a question of just coming to church and no. taking communion. It's about every time we sit down to a meal, especially with a glass of wine, we remember the Lord Jesus because that is so such a prominent thing. Amen. Union. Amen. And, and we do it naturally. We can do it over our meal. You know, when we say grace, it isn't quite the same as just remembering that the Lord Jesus is at the table with us. I think that we can give thanks for all things and we give thanks for our food. But at the chapter 11, I think what Paul um, is trying to highlight the fact of the importance that in verse 20, when you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper, because they come together to have a feast that, with one another. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, another is drunken. So some people have got plenty, they bring plenty, others have, haven't got too much. So it's all a bit of a, a mixture of a feast. What have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame men and have not. What shall I say to you? You see, the thing about it is the Lord's table has got to be a special place. That's right. And it's especially not to be mixed up with our general day-to-day -day living. And in a sense, it's the same as I'm not saying, don't misunderstand me now. I'm not the one to be accused of getting into legalism, but the way God said to Israel, Sabbath is separate from the other six days. So this table is separate from everything else. This table, you see, we have got such a danger of idolatry in our hearts that we can so easily sway into things. That's why people are worshiping Mary. Worshiping this, worshiping that, worshiping the other thing. Yeah, exactly. says, this is my beloved, this is my beloved son. I want you to focus on worship. I am not going to share him with anybody or anything. God's jealous for Jesus. And God says, This is my beloved son. Amen. And this, this table is what that represents. Jesus said at the table, these 12 apostles or maybe other people were sitting around also, I don't know. But he took the cup and he took the bread and the wine and he said, this cup is my blood that I've shed for you. And this bread is my body, which I've broken for you. I want you to do this, have this little time in remembrance of me. Have nothing else in your head. I mean, the Lord wouldn't say that, but I'm saying it. Yeah, yeah. Have nothing else in your head. Just think of me. Let's get together and have, and this will be a communion that we're having together. Communion means to be together. And that's what it's about. 
Okay. Well, that was a really good study, wasn't it? We could, I know, we could have gone on for another couple of hours. <laughs> I'm digging a bit. We're going to do it all next week, you know. We'll do more. <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoy it. When you really start to get into it and you start to talk about it and listen and 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 and, and that's how it should be in church. So exactly. you take it away with you. This is church where two or three are gathered together. That's right. We are. We are. We are. Welcome to the church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Well, it's time to, to say goodbye to everybody. Um, but I know that we will be back. God willing, we will be here again very soon. So stay tuned. Enjoy the rest of the program. We are running 24-7. And if anybody's got any questions, then please get in touch with us. I'm using my Gmail at the moment, which is Iris White, W-H-I-T-E, that's Iris, I-R-I-S, W-H-I-T-E, then the number 48 at gmail.com. So Iris White, 48 at gmail.com. And just let's have your questions and we'll answer them for you over the air. How about that? But just for now, it's time for us to say bye-bye and we will be back. I always make that promise because that's what the Lord Jesus said. He would come again. So we haven't finished yet. Bye-bye now.